We're going to talk from the subject of the Jesus way to pray. Uh, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6. Can you just go over there? We'll be there in just a momento. Uh, the last three weeks we've been talking from the subject watching Jesus pray. And we kind of had a little unique Bible study kind of thing. We weren't really deciphering a whole lot of things. We were just kind of going and observing Jesus praying and got some things out of that. Uh, that's, that was kind of a setup for some of this. I hope it'll help you. Uh, so we, we've kind of seen him praying. Now we're going to get some of the insights on his teachings about prayer. Uh, Jesus has got a lot to say about prayer because it, it really is a vital part of life. It's a vital part of being human. Uh, this, maintaining this connection with God makes us more human. When we lose that connection with God, that's when we become less human, really. And we sometimes act like it, don't we? <laughs> so, so prayer is one of those things for most believers that we know we need to do more of it, but we're not quite sure where to put it in our day, the practice of it all, the, the, whole, the whole practice and the, the deal with all of that. You know, we, we're not sure where to put it. At the beginning, end, middle, all together. And then there's this crazy passage that Paul says, pray continually. And I'm like, well, Lord, how am I going to get anything done if I'm praying? All I mean, you, you know, we, have to, we struggle with all this kind of stuff dealing with prayer. So let, let's do this. Let's, let's make a, I've got a little screen here now. And I'm sorry I'm going to stand in the middle of it, but this setup is, is just as ideal as we could get it tonight. We'll, we'll have it better next week. But no condemnation. Now, we're, we're trying to learn. We're trying to grow in prayer. We're trying to grow in our relationship with God. And, and somehow or another, this teaching on prayer, and when we start reading about prayer, and we, we read things about people like John Wesley who prayed five hours a day, and, and uh, these other guys who are great people of the faith, they talk about how much they prayed and all that kind of stuff. And, and you ever had that thing hit you like, well, I'm just a loser. <laughs> you ever had that hit you kind of thing? But let, let's, let's just kind of make this agreement. No condemnation, all right? As you hear the teachings, uh, this teaching is not about guilting you into praying more. Guilt trips, preachers are experts at it just to try to get more out of you. Either more prayer, more time at church, more service, more money. Preachers are experts at guilt trips, but Jesus doesn't use guilt trips. He said no condemnation. He said there's no condemnation in my kingdom for those who are in my kingdom. So there's got to be another way to motivate us because, you know, guilt trips don't last anyway. I mean, I may adhere to it, but it ain't going to last because pretty soon I'm going to get pretty fed up with you and I might have to move on down the road. But the other thing about guilt, guilt never produces the fruit of righteousness that God wants in our life anyway. You understand what I'm talking about? And there is a difference between conviction and guilt. You know what I'm saying? Conviction gives you, makes you feel bad for what's going on, but it gives you the hope to get it right. Guilt just kind of leaves you in your shame and that you're still no good and you, still, you just can't quite get there. You know what I'm saying? There's a big difference there. But there's this great mystery about prayer and about how important it is. And, and there's this mystery of how God has promised to intervene in our lives. He's promised to hear us when we call out. He's promised to, to respond to our prayers. So there's this great mystery. And I'm not talking about just Pastor Ron's prayers or, or Billy Graham's prayers or somebody that's, that's high up in the faith in your, your book, your, your, your grandmother who's super spiritual. I'm talking about your prayers. God hears you pray. It's a big part of our faith. And let's, let's just kind of learn and grow in this challenge of prayer. Now, a lot's written about prayer. A lot. I mean, I've got several resources. I, I counted them up one time. I've got 35 books on prayer. Uh, but, you know, you can have all the books in the world on prayer. But if you don't pray, it ain't going to matter. So it's not just about acquiring knowledge about prayer. Prayer is one of those things that you just don't learn about it. It's something that as you practice, kind of like playing baseball. You can watch baseball on TV, but unless you get a ball and a bat and go out in the yard, you, you can't play. You know what I'm saying? So 
it, it's just something that, that we do. We learn as we go. And we learn, it's kind of like walking. You can, you can study about walking. You can read all the books about walking and all that kind of thing. But when you're two years old, how do you learn to walk? Yeah, one step at a time. You start. You just start stumbling, and you start. You, you first start crawling, and you get some movement. But a lot of times, it's like that spiritually, isn't it? We stumble, we grow, we we get up and walk, and sometimes we walk pretty good, and then we, then we trip and fall again. So let's just learn to grow together, and learn from the scriptures, and let's learn through the practice of prayer. Now, what is the primary purpose of prayer? Now, just throw this out to you as we just kind of get in the introduction remarks. It's not just about getting your needs met. It's a whole big world of prayer. That's getting your needs met is just a small part of it. You know, prayer is not about getting your needs met. It's more about relationship. It's more about learning God. It's more about relating to Him. It's it's really about this partnership that that Jesus promises that we can have. Uh, this oneness. Remember, we talked about one from John 17. That Jesus said, "I want you to be one." Even as, as the Father and I are one, I want you guys to be one with each other and one with God just like I am. Jesus prayed that over us. That's one of his heart's desires for us is, is that we have that oneness, that oneness of relationship with God. So it's important, but it's about partnering with God. When God created man, he created man and woman as a partner, didn't he? To take care of the earth, to take care of the responsibilities that were given to him. So now he's given us responsibilities. We've got family, we've got jobs, we've got a life, we've got our own character, our own soul, all those kind of things that he's given us charge over. And he said, I want to partner with you. Now, here's one of my favorite things right here. This, I, I think I gave it to you last week. Dallas Willard quote. Now, I love Dallas Willard. You're going to hear a lot about him in the future. Uh, God rest his soul. He's already gone to his reward. But he is a wonderful scholar and philosopher of the Christian faith. I really like the guy. Um, it's a little dense. You've got to kind of chew on it a little while. But he, here, he's got a definition of prayer. It's not the only one, but it's just one that helps me. Uh, prayer is talking with God about the things that we are doing together. It just kind of sums it up that, you know, life. So I'm doing life together with God. So we, we've got a lot to talk about. You know, we've got kids to raise. And I'm not just doing that on my own strength. I'm not just doing that in my own wisdom. Now, you can do that in your own wisdom and your own strength. But you also have the opportunity to do it with God. You know, marriage is, is one of the most satisfying and challenging things you do in life. But you need, you need a third partner in your marriage. You need God at the center. You know, we oftentimes do that three-chord strand, you know, in wedding ceremonies and things like that, where it's, it's, it's him and her and God wrapped together in one. But you need him in the center of everything you do, in your business life, in your, in your work life, in, in your, you know, your social life. How you spend your money, how you handle your finances. You need God at this. We're doing a lot of things together with God, you know. In fact, we could just summarize it up. We're doing all of life together with God. So we've got a lot to talk about. That's what prayer is about. We've got a lot to work out. i got a lot he needs to teach me. And, and not to, this is a whole other subject another time, but a lot of prayer is not just me talking. A lot of prayer. I'm... I'm I'm kind of at the stage in my life now that in my prayer time, a lot of my prayer time is, is silence. That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? <laughs> it's just silence. I've, I've been so geared into talking and getting what I got to get off my heart and all that kind of thing, and, and God wants to hear all that. But I've kind of got to a point now that I've, I've figured out that what he says to me is a lot more important than what I say to him. 
So it was a lot of times just silence. Now I talk, but I've learned not to talk as much. Believe that or not, right? <laughs> We're not standing. It's just <laughs> All right, so as, as, as we talk about prayer now, there's two different mentalities. You, you can have a prayer life. You probably heard people say that kind of thing. You can have a prayer life, or you can have a life of prayer. Huh. You see the difference? See, a prayer life is kind of like something you do. It's like uh, 10 minutes worth of devotion or 30 minutes worth of devotion or I'll spend an hour today in prayer. But a life of prayer is this open-ended relationship between you and God to where the communication lines are always open. It's a life of prayer. So, so when I'm going to the meeting, I mean, I, I may have prayed about the meeting in, in my early morning quiet time. But when I'm going to the meeting, I, I, I may pull aside. I may wait in my car for a couple more minutes and say, Lord, we're going to this meeting together. Anything you need me to share, just prop my mind. And, and I'm taking him to the meeting with me. It, you know what I'm talking about? That's, that's a life of prayer where, where we're engaging God and involving God in every aspect of our life. And I believe that's what he's after. That's what he's after. And now he already knows. But he oftentimes waits for the invitation. You know? Any questions, comments about all that before we move forward? So one's about doing something. The other's about building a relationship. And God's after that relationship now with you. You know, we talk about my sheep hear my voice, so we need to know his voice. But I find out that our shepherd likes to hear our voice too. I mean, it's, it's just relationship. You know, sometimes I just call Lily and just say, hey, I just want to hear your voice. I mean, I, it usually ends up into something else. <laughs> that she needs something, you know, from daddy, but... I, some, I just want to just want to hear a voice, you know, I believe God's like that with us a lot of times, you know. All right. So the Jesus way to pray. Now, we're going to spend the most of our time in Matthew chapter six. Uh, we may pull some other things in as we develop this. But the gospel of Luke shares a lot of the same information that Matthew six shares uh, on this teaching of Jesus. But in, in Luke 11, where the Lord's prayer is. It's in response to a disciple's request. And the disciple simply asked the Lord this. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. That's a pretty good prayer, actually. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's a pretty good prayer. Lord, teach us to pray, even as John taught his disciples to pray. Now, I, I think, now this is my interpretation, but I think that as the disciples saw Jesus, they saw him early in the morning. We read that, didn't we? We, we came across those passages the last few weeks. They saw him early in the morning, and somehow or another they equated with what he did on those mountains to what he did down in the valley. See, when, when he was up on that mountain, he was by himself, and something was going on. We couldn't quite see. They saw a shadowy figure sometimes in, in the early morning light, maybe. But then he would come off that mountain with great clarity and, and, and strength and power and, and joy and all these things that would come from that kind of relationship with God. And then he would go into those valleys, and he would see people that were sick, and he'd heal them. And I believe the disciples made the connection that, hey, what he does down here is because of what he does up there in the mornings. And isn't it interesting that they didn't say, Lord, teach us how to feed the 5,000? That would have been a neat little deal to learn, wouldn't it? <laughs> they didn't ask, Lord, teach us how to turn water to wine. They didn't ask, Lord, teach us how to do all the miracles, teach us how to speak to storms. They asked him to teach them to pray. Because I think in their understanding, they, they figured if they get that right, then all that other comes. Does that make sense to you? Because there's something about prayer that plugs you into the source 
of everything, a life, power, strength, all of that. All right. Now, when we, when we hear Jesus talking, just remember this. It's heaven talking to us. Heaven is talking to us. Jesus has brought heaven to earth. That's, he came, right? He came to bring heaven to earth. In fact, that was his main message. If Jesus was to come to Gilberttown and do all the circuit of Choctaw County, just like he did in the Galilee, if he was to go from church to church and preaching to believers and go to everywhere else he would go, his main message that he would preach would be this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. That would be his message. He preached it everywhere he went, the Bible says. Everywhere he went. We don't hear that message that much in, in our circles. We hear more other things, but Jesus says the kingdom now, because of who I am and what I'm doing on God's behalf, I am bringing the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of the heavens, actually. I am bringing the kingdom of the heavens to you. It's near. And he's going to show them how near it is. So he finds a lady who, who, who needs healing and he, and he touches her and he shows her that heaven has come to help her. And she's healed. You know, we see it time and time again. In fact, it says of Jesus, when he went into places, crazy stuff. I mean, it says that everybody in town got healed. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't that be great? That'd be amazing. But the idea is that, that heaven is talking to us here. Jesus has come to bring heaven to earth. He's bringing the kingdom near to us. And he's drawing us and pulling us and all of our thoughts. He's drawing us out of the kingdom of darkness. Now there's a part of us that's already come out of the kingdom of darkness, but this old mind's still influenced by a lot of that old way. You know what I'm talking about? And Jesus is pulling us out of all of that old man, all that old way stuff, all that worldly stuff that we've been a part of all our life. Just Some of it's just the normal way people think. And Jesus is pulling us out of all of that and saying, I've got a better way for you to live. I've got a better way for you to think. And I'm pulling you out of all of that and showing you the ways of heaven. Isaiah the prophet would call them the higher ways. You've heard of that before? It's the higher ways of God. And it's not that it's, it doesn't even just say better. It says it's higher. It's, it's on a different plane than what you're used to living on. And so Jesus is drawing us out. And you're going to hear him drawing us out as he speaks to us tonight. He's drawing us out of the old ways. And he said, hey, I'm, I want to show you how heaven does it. I'm going to show you what heaven wants out of you when you pray. All right? Now, we're, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to talk about this idea of in secret. Jesus talks about a lot of things we, should, we do we should do in secret. Ha! Huh, he's, he's trying to help us. All right, we're going to start in verse number 5. I, 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 I'm tempted to read verse number 1 through 4. I, I really don't have time. That's the problem with my deal. I always run out of time before I run out of text. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you run out of patience before I run out of stuff to say, right? <laughs> verse 1 through 4, he talks about doing good to please God. You know, when you do your charitable deeds or you're kind to somebody, you're benevolent or charitable to somebody, he says do it. In secret, and that's where we get that passage, don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. You've heard that before? And he says, I, I want you to do that, just do it to please God, not to be seen by people. Now he picks it up in verse number five with kind of the same principle. Are you ready to read that? I think I have it on the screen. It says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men or seen by people. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. 
But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you've shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Verse number 7. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Alright? So kind of my custom is read the, the text to you, let you hear it one time. And then we go back into it. And I'll read another scripture to you that, that's what we just read, a, a little portion of it. And I, I want you hearing it and hearing it because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And how many know we all got hearing problems? Especially us men. All the women, know, y'all know that, right? <laughs> if men are in the room, you got to say it at least twice, right? And then you hope for the best. <laughs> all right, so he, he tells us two things not to do in prayer. Let's just go over these as we, as we study. Two things not to do. So verse number five He says this, he says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by people. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. So he says, basically, when you pray, he said, don't put on a show, right? There's something about authenticity and sincerity that's really important to God. And he's, he's dealing with motives right here, right? So sometimes as, as teachers, we're, we're concerned about your method and content in prayer, but God's concerned about your heart more than anything. In fact, we're in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. You know, 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew are the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's some of the most profound teaching about God and life and relationship and all that that you can imagine. And we'll unpack it all in one type flow before too long. It'll take us about a year, actually. But... He's, he's in this sermon, he's concerned about our hearts. You know, because he says, he, he, I mean, he's concerned about our actions, but Jesus knows something about your actions, that your actions flow out of your heart, not the other way around. You can change behavior and not change the heart. All you parents know what I'm talking about. You can threaten the kid's life and change their behavior, but it don't mean they ain't going to do it again. And it don't mean that they don't want to do it. You know, <laughs> it's like little Johnny who's... who's uh, his teacher kept telling him to sit down, sit down, sit down, and he kept standing up, standing up, standing up. And she walks over to him and just kind of presses him down and holds him down while he sits on his chair. And she, he, he looks at her and says, I'm sitting here, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's kind of the way we are with a lot of things. It, it's, God wants to change to where you want to sit down because you were told to sit down, right? He wants to change the heart. So Jesus says things like, you said it's good that you don't murder. And that's a good thing. You're not supposed to kill anybody. But I tell you, don't even be angry. You know, so he, he, he goes not just to the action of striking out at somebody. He says, I want you to be the kind of person that just can control that anger. You know, he says that. And, and then he says the thing about lust. He said, I don't, I don't want you just to not do the things that are immoral and, and unholy. I want that you don't even think about those kind of things in your heart. You know, so Jesus is going after the heart. He's doing the same thing right here about prayer. He's going after our motives, which is our heart. Now, the hypocrites, he says, first thing he says right there, don't be like the hypocrites. Okay? Now, he attributes this to the Pharisees a lot, doesn't he? As he goes through the Gospels, teaching. Now, we, the word hypocrite has become a very negative word in our society. But in their society, it, was, it just simply meant actor. Somebody who was an actor, who played a part. You know what I'm talking about? 
like in their day, they had theater and live theater and things of that nature, and, and they had actors. And those actors would put on costumes and they'd put on masks, and you know they'd go from being this person to they would transform into another character, but it wasn't really who they were. Does that make sense? Now here's the sad part about being a hypocrite. There's probably not a person in here that hadn't played that. Played the part, and your heart wasn't necessarily right. We've all done that. I've, I've done that, unfortunately. But Jesus is, is telling, he said, don't be like the hypocrites. And he said, what makes them a hypocrite is that in their hearts, they want to be seen as spiritual people by their peers. So they're standing up in the church. Well, they call them synagogue here, but they're standing up in, in the crowds and they're, and they're praying. And, they're, they're, and there's nothing wrong with praying in church or praying out loud. I hope not. I, I have to do it a lot. But there is something wrong with praying with the intent that people think you're something. And if you're not careful, it'll get on everybody. It can get on you. And he's talking about us not being bound by the opinions of people or even the applause of people. That we're not, we're not really tied into that. You know? So he's, see, I'm telling you, he's drawing us out of that old way. Because the old way is that we as people, we want to be seen, heard, acknowledged, thought well of. That's kind of us as people. We want to be that. And Jesus says, I want to free you from that kind of bondage. And you want to see, I mean, our, our society is going more and more towards being seen and heard. I mean, look, look at what social media is all about. You know, it's about being seen and heard even in the smallest things. But why, why do people gravitate towards that? And I'm not just trying to throw rocks at it all, but why, yeah, I mean, they want to be seen and heard, don't they? And, and there's something lacking on the inside that they... The ego wants to be stroked somehow. Huh. And Jesus said, I, I don't want you to be like that. that, this, that draw, I'm drawing you out of that. Come on. Let's get just for real. I had an old saying, you got to be real to be right, you know. Uh, so that they can be seen by people. Huh. And he says this, he says, they have their reward. So what would their reward be? If you're praying with these kind of motives that Jesus is talking about, what would your reward be? That they did see you, right? And isn't that a tragedy? That you're praying about somebody getting healed or God moving in our midst, and you don't get that, you just get, oh boy, he's, so, he's such a good guy. Yeah, I love that guy. Well, man, she is so spiritual, that woman can pray the walls, the paint off the walls. Isn't that, isn't that sad that you really need breakthroughs and the people in, in, in your life and the people you're praying for and with, they need real breakthroughs. But all that the reward, all the answers that's coming on that kind of deal. Good job. Thank you, Brother Joe. That's tragic. Because, see, we're not praying for that reason. I, I'm praying because I really need help. I'm praying because people I know and love really need help. It's a bad trade-off. You know what I'm talking about? Now, I'm telling you now, this spirit can get on anybody. It, it can, it, it, in, in some of my younger days, this, it, it tried to get on me preaching, you know, because preaching, you, you want to make sure people get it, but if you're not careful, you'll slip right into, uh, I hope you liked it. I went through a whole big time at... Uh, Early on, it was probably, I would say late 90s, probably something like that, that I found myself wanting to get to the back door to make sure everybody liked it. You know what I'm saying? That kind of deal. And the Lord just dealt with my heart. He just said, I, I don't want you going back there anymore. You just stay right up here. 
and he was freeing me from something that was trying to grow inside of me. You know what I'm talking about? To where I was trying to say, everybody, oh, that a boy. And everybody likes an attaboy, don't you? I keep patting you. You're just sitting in a bad spot. So. No, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. I'm just picking on you here. You're just in, you're, you know, the kingdom of heaven is here. It's hand, at hand. We're supposed to one another each other. We got that, right? But really what it's all about is we need to do what God wants us to do. That's good. That's good. Right? It's what, not what the people want. That's good. That's good. And, and you know, the, the Bible calls that thing the fear of man. Or the, I don't really have the fear of man. I really have the fear of woman, more, li, more like it. But, but it, the Bible calls that the fear of man that literally brings a snare into your life. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a hole covered up and you can't see it and you'll fall right into it by that trap that you want to please people. And, and some of us have more of a people-pleasing personality. Some of us are to the other side of the fence, like, I really don't give a rip. And that's a bad thing, too, but that's not today's lessons. You know what I'm saying? So Jesus is pulling us out of all that. I, I don't want you to be looking for that, dealing with that on the inside of you. So we ask him to help us. So we want him to purify our motives, right? And set us free from whatever we need to be. Ask the Lord to help you with it. If that's you, ask the Lord to help you with it. And it'll show up in all kind of ways. All right. Let's see what else he says right here. So the remedy for this. The remedy was what? What was the remedy? Verse number six. But you, when you pray, so the remedy for being seen and heard in your spiritual life or thought to be like a spiritual person, a spiritual giant or something like that. What's the remedy? What did he say? Go into your secret place. Okay. Go into your room or closet or car and pray alone. You know, I, I, from time to time we've had folks in the church and doing, doing all the stuff in worship and things like that. We've had some, some uh, dance teams with some of the younger kids and doing things in, in worship, kind of like, a, ah, what, what do they call that? This fine arts type dancing where they dance into the, to the song and interpreting things and doing things like that. But we, we, we always kind of had a deal that we tried to tell people that we don't want anybody dancing up front that don't dance at home. You know, because it's just not a performance. And we don't want you singing up there if you're not singing in worship at home. I mean, it, I'm not saying it's a rule. We're not being legalistic about it. But there's a heart issue right there. That Jesus talks about it right here. He said the remedy to get you free from all of that is that you do this in secret. Now, isn't that what we saw Jesus doing? It says, that, I mean, time and time again in the gospel, said he went alone to the mountain, alone, and to pray. He went to the garden, left the disciples over here, and he went by himself to pray. We saw that time and time again. So Jesus is not just telling us something that he's not walking out. This is the way he lives. Okay? So the remedy for all that stuff to set us free is to pray in a secret place by yourself. That don't mean you don't ever pray with people. That's fine to do that and come into agreement. Sometimes we need to do that. But the day in, day out of your relationship with God is not for other people. And it's really not for social media. It's not for be, to be put out there and to be seen. That like You've got to fight that. Okay, now look at Jesus. What did Jesus do? Okay, Jesus would go into somebody's house. One time he raised a girl from the dead. Okay? And then he says this to them. 
Don't tell anybody. Now, how in the world do you do that? <laughs> I don't know. He said, just kind of keep this quiet. Just keep this between. I think he's teaching us as his disciples, really, more than anything. He's teaching us that, hey, we're not doing this to be seen and heard. I actually came in this house to help this family. And I'm fine with it just staying right there. It don't have to be on CBS, TBN, or nothing. It ain't got to be on nobody's network. I don't really care about all that. I just care that I came and I helped this family. Now he's, he's dealing with motives. Now, Jesus didn't have a problem with motives. I think he's doing that more for instruction. For us. That's good. That's good. And, and he kept his, he, he was showing his disciples that this is how you do ministry. You sometimes, and you know, there may be other times where it's used for whatever purposes, but you know what? In the church, if we got a miracle, we market it to death. And we're not careful, this, this, all this mess gets in us real easy. You know? We just got to keep our hearts in check. That's all. All right? And the remedy is to pray in your secret place. And he, listen to the reward here. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Hmm. Give him something to see between you and him. And the promise is that he will reward you openly. Now th this is a big part of our faith, this God who is the rewarder. You know, we're, we're sometimes scared to talk about this, but there is a real theme throughout Scripture that God is a God that blesses, God is a God that rewards, God is a God that prospers, God is a God who gives. He's a God that's full of good, and He gives good to His people. We don't, we don't talk about it enough because we're, we're scared of all the other hyper stuff that comes down the pike. But Jesus Himself says, you need to understand that God is a rewarder. God hears you in secret. Hmm. And he will reward you. How he rewards you, that'll be between you and him. I don't know. You might get the answer you're looking for. You might get another direction. You might get a no. And he may direct your course another path. He may give you encouragement to strength. I don't know. But he will reward you. I promise you he will. Now, let's, let's look over at Hebrews 11. Can we do that? Hebrews 11, 6. Now, the, again, this is a big part of our faith that God rewards. Hebrews 11:6 6 says this. And you probably know this passage if you've been, if you've been in church a little while. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, to please Him, right? For he who comes to God must believe that God simply is. That He is what? He is exactly who He said He was. He is. And listen to the second part. That's what I really want. And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He's a God who's full of good gifts. In fact, one, one brother says... Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just telling you. I mean, I know you've got to keep your motives pure even on this reward side of things. But I'm not praying to fill up time and space. I'm praying because I need answers. I'm praying because I need help. I'm praying because I need strength and encouragement. I need direction. I need wisdom. I'm praying for all those things. In fact, wisdom is probably the number one thing I pray for all the time. I need a lot of it. I don't, I don't really need it to govern my life. 
but I have other people that come to me for it too. I need wisdom. If you're praying for me, pray for wisdom. I need those things. I'm, I'm not praying to fill up time and space so I feel good about myself. I'm praying because he's a rewarder. And he hears. He hears me. He listens to my cries. And he answers. That's why we pray, right? He answers. Now how he answers, that'll be between you and him. I don't know. But he will answer. And no is an answer sometimes, isn't it? All right? All right, so the second thing he says right here in verse number, which is it, seven? And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So the second thing we don't do in prayer, and Jesus is just teaching us again. He's pulling us out of this, out of this other way, other kingdom, this worldliness. He's pulling us out of it. Do not pray like a heathen. He don't want you to live like a heathen either. But, but he's talking with prayer. Don't pray like a heathen. Okay, now, now what's a heathen? That's, that's the pagans. That's the Gentile world out there. And what's the problem with them? The, it's not just their lifestyle that's a problem. It's that they have the wrong understanding of who God is. That's the problem. And out of that comes their immorality and all the other things that they do. So Jesus says, don't pray like somebody who doesn't know God. And, and he says, don't, don't pray like the heathen. They, they do these vain repetitions. Now, if you're writing in your notes or whatever, that, that has to do with talkativeness is really what that word means. Okay? Uh, much speaking is what, what it said later, right? Many words. Um, you don't have to pray like that. It's not about eloquence. Aren't you glad about that? Because sometimes I can't even get it out. Sometimes, he, I mean, words are important because the kingdom operates off of words. It operates off of God's words and your words. The kingdom operates like that. But sometimes he, he has to hear my heart. And sometimes he hears my tears. Sometimes he hears the groaning that's inside of me that's just a desire for something that, you know, I've got a taste for something I've never tasted before in this kingdom that I'm living in. You know, so he, he, he knows all that hunger and thirst. You know, and he says, I don't, I don't want you to pray with these vain repetitions. Now, there's a couple of different ways to look at this. The, the chants, the mantras, uh, don't have the idea of saying the magic words. You know, that's, that's pagan, right? And, and we could, if we eavesdropped in on some what we would consider pagan worship or things like that, you would hear all that kind of stuff. Chants, mantras, and, and people looking for the right, in fact, they would have books of things that they would reference to get the right words. And Jesus said, I don't want you to think like that. It's not about the right words. It's not about a whole bunch of words. It's not about your eloquence. You know, God likes to hear your voice coming right out of you. And God knows how to speak Alabama. You know what I'm saying? In Tennessee, redneck, all that stuff. <laughs> God, aren't you glad? It, it, and he said that the heathen believe that if they pray long and hard, that God will show up. I, I, I kind of thought that for a while. You know, if we just do this just right, we're going to have revivals going to break out. You know, and I, I fell into this trap. I fell right into it. All right? Now, you, you don't have to pray God down. He's already here. <laughs> You don't have to pray God down. We used to have those terminologies. Let's pray heaven down. Well, Jesus said heaven's here. 
because of what he's done. Heaven has come. Now, I need to pray to get more aware and plug in and do whatever I need to do. But, but don't, just don't have the idea that you're trying to make something happen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to lead you right off a cliff, to be honest with you. And, and soon the burden's going to get so heavy that it's, it's probably going to crush you. Ask me how I know about that. Yeah, ask me how I know about that. Mm-hmm. Now, now let's, let's go see some pagans praying. There's actually some pagans praying in 1 Kings. Go over there to 1 Kings 18, verse 25 through 29. Now, you'll notice this passage. It's Elijah on Mount Carmel, right? I've been able to, to go there a couple times and um, climb that mountain. And it's pretty astonishing how, how many times you read, how many times he climbed that. It's not that high of a mountain. It's probably 800, 900 feet, something like that maybe. But it is straight up. And he is on this mountain, Mount Carmel, having the showdown with, the, with these <coughs> priests of Baal, right? You know what it is? Go to verse 25. We're just jumping right into the middle of the story. I just want you to see their, their response and what they're doing. Now, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal. You remember how many of them there were? So we've got Elijah. He's kind of the, the lone guy, the one guy. And how many prophets of Baal are up there on the mountain with him? It, the number is given is 450. So it's quite a crowd up there. It's, it's getting crowded. Elijah's got his little spot over here, and they got their 450 over there. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many. You've got a whole bunch of guys over there. And call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given them, and they prepared it. And they called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon. Okay, so that's probably three or four hours worth of praying. That's a pretty, pretty big deal. And they were saying this, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Look at this. This is this pagan prayer. Then they leaped about the altar, altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a God, right? You know, I mean, very sarcastic right here. And if you got into the Hebrew rendering of it, it's actually very colorful, okay? Uh, either he is meditating, or he is busy, or he's on a journey. Now, not to, not to be crude and rude, but one of those phrases in the Hebrew, Elijah basically says, it, maybe he's gone to the bathroom. Really, in the Hebrew is what it says. <laughs> he's kind of having fun with this thing, but these guys are about to dance off a cliff, really. Or perhaps he is sleeping, and must be awakened. Now listen to what they do. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. Now I've just shown you this. We're not preaching Mount Carmel, but I'm showing you this example in the Bible of pagan prayer. You see, they're trying to do whatever they possibly can to work this deal up. Now I'm just going to tell you now, I mean, I'm... I've been in some prayer meetings like this. Then nobody cut themselves, but you just, you would think somebody was hollering crazy. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, be passionate, be fervent, do what you got to do. But don't have this mentality that is based on what you do. Really, we're praying out of God's goodness and God's mercy and God's grace to us. But you see, it's just an example of kind of what Jesus is talking about. And when midday had passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. You know why? Because there is no other God. All right. So don't pray like a heathen. 
Therefore, don't be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. All right? I don't need that. Can believers pray like pagans? Yeah, we can, sir. Sometimes we do. Get in the flesh. That kind of deal. All right? I, I, I don't want... I, I'm running out of time, so let's, let's move forward. We're almost done. All right. Now, he says this. He says, don't be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you're asked. Let's wrap it up with this. Remember this. Remember that we're talking to the God who has chosen to come to us. We, we, we didn't even pray him down. He showed up. On his own volition. So that's, that's who we're, we're, we're talking to, the God who has voluntarily come with us and who, who calls himself Emmanuel, which is God with us. Okay. So we don't have to pray him into our lives. We just need to recognize that he's here. Does that make sense to you? We're, we're talking to the God who's promised to be with us. He's promised never to leave us. He's promised never to forsake us. That's who we're talking to. Well, I don't have to cut myself. I don't have to dance and show out and fast for 40 days to get him to respond to me. I don't have to do that. Some of those things are not necessarily bad. The fasting is not a bad thing. But if I do it with the wrong motive trying to twist God's arm... You know, it's crazy because the gospel teaches me that I don't have to twist God's arm. And foolishness teaches me that I could twist his arm. Are you serious? <laughs> we, we, we don't need none of that. David caught a revelation of that. And he, he said, Lord, how great are the sum of your thoughts toward me. He got, got a glimpse of that. That whole revelation. All right. So we're not praying him down. He's promised to be with us already. He's given us his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. That's who we're doing. So we pray like the good news is really good news. And when Jesus said it's finished, I stepped in when I became a follower of him. I stepped into his finished work. So believe the gospel. I believe that's what Jesus is saying. Believe that what I'm telling you is true and it's good news and let that shape the way you talk to God. Let that shape. So get all those burdens, all that off of you. You just be you. You may not know much Bible right now. You might. Whatever you, just come like you are. Just come you. You need help with that crazy kid? Lord, I, I need help with my kids. You know, husbands, wives, whatever it might be, your finances, he'll, he'll reward you. But we titled this in secret because I, I believe that's what the main thing I want you to get. It, just find your secret place. Find your secret place with you and God. And know that he'll hear you. Okay? And that he will reward you openly. And pray the prayer of faith. If somebody needs healing, pray for healing. I mean, pray for them. I mean, for real, pray for them like God's a healer. I don't, I don't, I don't mean just throw up. I know, I know a standard prayer we've got is, as, if it be your will, that, that's important. But that sometimes doesn't have any faith in it at all. Now, it can have a lot of faith in it. But most of the time, it's just a cop out because we ain't sure what God wants to do. But he's a healer. So pray for people like he wants to heal them. 
Let him sort it all out. But, but pray in faith. You know what I'm saying? That he is a rewarder. Find something good. Pray for it. He's a good God. In him there is no darkness or shadow of turning. There's no, there's no bad in him. All the bad that's done in the world, that doesn't come through him. They come through somebody else, but it don't come through him. And Jesus teaches us this. He's the revelation of all this. We're good. I'm, I'm going to keep going. Questions, comments? Again, don't, don't get that condemnation thing on. If you, if, you, if you find yourself sideways and all these, just ask the Lord to help you. Ask him to teach you. And hey, baby steps. One step at a time, right? One step at a time. You don't have to become a prayer giant tomorrow. Pray four hours. Lord, I don't even know where I'd find four hours most days anyway, do you? <laughs> but just start where you are. And, and <laughs> Yeah, that's a tithe on your day. Well, if, if you know, start with some quiet time, wherever you got to start. And you may be well versed in this already. Start with some quiet time, but it's not just about having that quiet time. That's important. But have that life of prayer where God's with you all the time. <coughs> Amen. He's with you at the courthouse. He's with you on the engineer job. You know, he's with you at the hospital. He's with you. And, and, and live, live that way. Okay.